It's Halloween night, 2018. Laurie Strode is in the fight of her life. She has spent the last 40 years waiting for this moment. All preparation comes down to this. The fate of her granddaughter, her daughter, her own life is at stake. And all now she can do is wait. No more running. No more planning. No more hoping. It all comes down to this. Her back is to the door. Her concentration focused. Gun firmly placed in her hand. She waits. She knows he is there. She has seen him. And he has seen her. She waits. She waits. As she has for forty years. Knowing full well that eventually the boogeyman would return for her. A moment to catch her breath, to ponder one more thought, but then he strikes. Michael Myers is here. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Phil Walsh, and you are listening to another episode of Phil at the Movies. Another, uh, Dramatic opening monologue to uh, to start off today's show as I continue my review of each movie in the Halloween franchise in the lead-up to the release of Halloween Ends, which, when this podcast drops, it'll be Friday, so when you're listening to it, we are now just one week away, one week, until the release of Halloween Ends. Fever pitch anticipation at this point. Uh, I, 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 I'm past the point of of counting down. I am just so ready for this movie. I can't wait for it. Trying to keep my expectations uh, in check because we all know what happens when uh, we set our expectations uh, too high, especially when it comes to a, to a movie. But uh, needless to say, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the end. And today, of course, continuing my review of each film in the series and appropriately so talking about Halloween. Of course, talking about Halloween 2018, the film which kicked off the uh, modern-day requel trend in the horror genre, really kind of a continuation of the of the legacy sequels that began with Star Wars The Force Awakens in 2015, followed with Jurassic World and, and countless other films that have continued through to the present day. Uh, I remember when this was announced back in... 2017 that not only would there be another Halloween film but Jamie Lee Curtis was returning to the role as Laurie Strode I lost my fucking mind because like after the disappointments shall we say of the Rob Zombie films I was thinking that maybe that was it there would never be another Halloween film um, you know, maybe down the road a decade plus uh, but but even then, I, I really didn't have uh, my hopes up. But 2017, the announcement was made. Jamie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back. And not only was she returning to the role which gave her a career, this movie, Halloween, perfect title, would be severing ties with all the other films in the canon. 
No more talk of remakes or sequels to a remake. No more discussion of druid cults and the cult of Thorn. No more brother-sister connection. The new film was going to go back to the basics. It was going to go back all the way to the beginning. To the one, the only, the classic Halloween. A modern-day Halloween 2, if you will. A direct sequel to the 1978 classic. Well, hold on. <laughs> Bold move there, Cotton. Let's see. Let's see how it works out for him. Well, I will share with you my thoughts in a moment. But uh, first off, as always, at this uh, point of the show, I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say on movies. Uh, as I enjoy saying... Uh, for you, you frequent listeners, this is all for the love of movies. I talk about it all on this show, the good, the bad, everything in between, box office favorites, disasters, cult classics, it's covered all on this show. And certainly for the last number of weeks, it's been Halloween all the time, and that will continue probably for the next couple of weeks, uh, just given the fact that we are now in full uh, spooky season, a lot of great horror films out, and Halloween films uh, as well. So it's going to be going to be a kind of all spooky season all the time at least until the end of the month so uh i do uh i do uh, apologize if you are not a fan of the genre and you're looking forward to uh you know other uh other takes of mine on 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 a wide palette of films well rest assured that uh there will be a uh, many a discussion down the road in the weeks ahead a lot of great films to discuss and a lot of great films to uh, to review certainly there's a lot of a uh, lot of strong contenders coming up over the next number of weeks as well as a few that have come out uh, over the over the last month and I will be trying to touch on as many of them uh, as possible in the coming weeks on this show so uh, you know bear with me uh, just for a few more weeks uh, with spooky season but nevertheless as always appreciate you the listeners for your continued support. Of this show, uh, as I've said from the start, this is a passion project. But you and and your encouragement, your uh, your passion for the, for for listening to it, and, and uh, just uh, overall warmth and response has just made it all the more worthwhile. So thank you again. And if you have not done so already, feel free to rate and subscribe. Uh, rate and subscribe. Uh, feel free to share this podcast with your family, your friends, anybody who you think might listen uh, enjoy listening to a. Uh, a, a film uh, fanatic, if you will, go on at great lengths about movie monologues and the like. Uh, I think that takes care of the uh, the necessary housekeeping for today. All right, let's let's carve this pumpkin open. Let's let's start talking about Halloween 2018 or Halloween. <laughs> so, as I said, when when this was announced, uh, I, I I was ecstatic. I, I was. Pumped, not, not only were we getting a new Halloween movie, but Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back, and it was going to be made by Blumhouse. Enjoyed a lot of uh, their movies pre-Halloween and certainly post-Halloween, uh, so I knew I knew the series was in good hands. And on top of that, John Carpenter was going to be making his return as an executive producer, but not only was he going to be an executive producer, he was going to be doing the score. So right off the bat, I'm like, okay, check, check. All right, things are looking great. And then, oh my God, Nick Castle is returning the original Michael Myers, the original shape. 
would be making his return to the franchise in a limited capacity, mostly doing the breathing, but he does have a few uh, moments on screen in both Halloween and later Halloween Kills, though in Halloween Kills it was a deleted scene. But nevertheless, the uh, the gang was, was, was coming back, and it was a new Halloween film. I mean, that's the thing you have to remember. 2009 was the last Halloween movie to be released. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, follow-up to the to the remake from 2007. And and as you know, uh, I talked about uh, both uh, both of Rob Zombie's entries uh, uh, on this show. Actually, Rob Zombie's uh, remake was the first topic that I, I started way, uh, way back in August. So uh, you know, I've covered both of those films, and you know my thoughts on them. Um, I, I am not... I am not fans of them. I I can I can give them their 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 due for what they were trying to accomplish, but at the end of the day, it, you know, if I have my choice, I will not watch them. Like it, it, they're just they're you have to be a fan of Rob Zombie, you know. He I think he's immensely talented, but you know, if if you've seen the Munsters and not that I want to go down that uh <laughs> that 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 road today, but um you know, Two uh two trips into Haddonfield uh was enough uh for me and and uh, uh Mr. Zombie. So I was it was ecstatic that they were going to be uh essentially rebooting the franchise. And of course, you know, Halloween has become a pick your own adventure <laughs> timeline. I mean, there's been a number of resets and reboots in addition to the remakes. Of course, uh, Halloween seven, Halloween H two O was in many ways, the first requel, re- soft reboot, uh, in, in many ways in history, uh, certainly in, in the horror genre, but uh, particularly with, with this franchise, that was the start of, okay, we're going to pretend that 4, 5, and 6 do not exist, and we're just going to do a follow-up to Halloween and Halloween 2. Well, of course, we know what happened <laughs> after Halloween 7. I've shared my thoughts on that one, and the disaster that is Halloween Resurrection, which uh, for the record, I think is the worst one in the entire franchise. But again, we're not we're not here to <laughs> we're not here to dwell in the past. Um, just giving, of course, a lot for context. So, of course, you've got those films, and then uh, in the uh, 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 2007, and then ultimately 2009, Rob Zombie's two uh, two trips into Haddonfield, and so uh, you know. Going the direction that they they went really was the only other option. Uh, evidently, there were there were attempts to do a third film in in Rob Zombie's world. I have heard and 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 glanced at, at bits and pieces of what it may have uh, entailed. Again, I, I think based on the way that two ended, it, it kind of it told a complete story. It was over. There was no reason to go back. So when it became clear that that the zombie direction was not uh, uh, the the path forward, there were other scripts, and there was another script called Halloween Returns, and that, in a similar way, was trying to act as a soft reboot of the franchise. I, I believe, from what I have read, it was going to take place either in the Halloween 2 universe or, you know, post-Halloween 2, the original, or or maybe, you know, be in the kind of the 
Halloween 78 genre, but or uh, 78 timeline, but that I, I can't say for certain. But uh, the basic plot, I think, involved Michael being on, on death row, and he was going to be executed, and then, of course, he escapes and returns to Haddonfield, or it may have even been Russellville. Um, uh, I can't honestly recall off the top of my head, but, I mean, nevertheless, he, he escapes, and it's a night of, of, of blood and carnage. Whatever happened, I, I think the way it worked is the rights ended up um, expiring with um, uh, dimension, and then you know there was always you know the the battle for him, and, and Blumhouse came in and 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 uh, picked up the rights to the series, and and so their their attempt. I mean, this really you know I have to you know tip my hat to to David Gordon Green and company for for having the uh, you know the 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 fortitude, if you will, to uh, to say no. Look, we're gonna we're gonna pretend all of the other films are are not, you know, in, in the canon. Not going to diminish them. If you enjoy them, they're still there. You can watch them. But we're going to tell a story forty years later and connect it only to Halloween seventy eight. I mean, bold bold strategy because again, this would not be the first time that the franchise went in that uh, direction where it was just following after, uh, you know, one or two films. But, I mean, this was to say, okay, we're going to go, you know, really bold and just continue from the first Halloween. And uh, I have read that there was debate at one point of whether or not to connect Halloween 2 into this new Blumhouse universe but ultimately, I think the conclusion they've reached, and it's the same one uh, that I, you know, I think I would have reached, is that y- you want to separate the brother-sister storyline. And as I have said on this show, while I, I, I like Halloween 2, I think it's honestly one of the better sequels. I would probably put it as my second favorite in the, uh, in the franchise. I, I I do feel and I acknowledge that the the sibling family storyline created a lot of narrative problems for the story and for the franchise, and it it took away a little bit of the mystique uh, of Michael Myers because you know now he's no longer this shape or boogeyman, but he's he's going after his sister, he's going after his niece, he's going after family members, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and, and you can tell a complete story uh, with it. You know, certainly Halloween 2 attempted to end the franchise and, and then, you know, tried to go off in a new direction with Halloween 3. Of course, we all know how that turned out. There's also, of course, Halloween 7 with, uh, you know, the, the severing of, of Michael's head and, and, and kind of, you know, again, trying to tie up the brother-sister storyline. But again, we we know where that went with Halloween Resurrection. Um, but, but, you know, there's something, there's something that kind of takes away from the mystery of, of Michael Myers when, when you say, well, we're going to give him motive. And I always look to what John Carpenter said, that he regretted making Michael and Laurie brother and sister and, and chalked it up to, you know, a night of, of, of cramming out a screenplay and a, and a, and a pack of, uh, of Budweiser, you know, you just trying to find an idea and just, you know, plowing through the script. But, uh, you know, so when I when I read all that and, and was hearing, OK, but they're going to you know go off of 78, I thought, OK, this is going to be different. OK, it's, it's either going to be, you know, different and really bad or it's going to be the Halloween 
I've been waiting for. And it, it turned out to be the latter because I, I'll just say right off the top of the bat, this is my favorite sequel in the entire franchise. Th- this movie checks all the boxes for a Halloween film and more important uh, than just sort of, you know, you know, box checking or fan service. This movie I felt made Michael Myers the shape again. It made him this mysterious boogeyman. You know, he was no longer the guy going after his family members. He was no longer the, you know, a, 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 a sort of a, you know, product of a broken home from the zombie films. This was the 1978 Michael Myers, the classic stalking, creeping boogeyman. You see him, now you don't. And that was something I felt had been missing from the franchise, you know, arguably since the original. And again, even though I, I love many of the sequels, um, I, I, I will, you know, acknowledge that I think the introduction of the sister-brother piece complicated the narrative because ultimately you run out of places to go when you make michael myers just the boogeyman you have a lot more flexibility in terms of story because you're not giving him motivation because he shouldn't have motivation he's a blank canvas he's a he's a shape and and that's both intriguing and frightening at the same time so i was I was ready for for a, a new interpretation, and again, you know, this was you know post Star Wars: uh, The Force Awakens, so it you know it kind of made sense for you know this to be a you know either a soft reboot or you know the better terminology would be a requel, but um, you know, kind of a a fresh start for a series that had had more or less gotten itself lost in the cornfield uh, over the years. And this felt like, all right, we're starting fresh, we're starting at the beginning, and we're charting a new course. So let me give a quick rundown on the plot, you know, sort of a quick, quick chop. So 40 years later, after Halloween 1978, Michael Myers has been incarcerated, hasn't spoken a word, pretty much hasn't moved on. He's just waiting, if you will. On the opposite side of the fence, Laurie Strode has spent the last 40 years living with the trauma and effect of that awful night in 1978 and thus has been preparing and in some ways hoping for an inevitable reunion with Michael Myers so she can finish him off once and for all. Well, as expected, there is a, a, a transfer of Michael Myers from one, from Smith's Grove to another facility, and surprise, surprise, Michael escapes, makes his way back to Haddonfield, and begins another night of unholy terror in Haddonfield, Illinois, bringing him into conflict with Laurie Strode, but not just Laurie Strode. This time, her daughter and her granddaughter must face the shape as well. And so that gives you kind of a, a, a rough idea of what this film was about. And again, if you haven't seen the movie, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, so what I appreciated and frankly what I, I, I really love about this film is that unlike Halloween 
H2O, which again, I, I have acknowledged, you know, some of you know my issues with it. But H2O shows a totally different Laurie Strode than what we see in Halloween 2018. Halloween H2O is a Laurie Strode who is who is still traumatized by the events that happened to her, but she is a woman living in fear. And one of my uh, complaints with with H2O is I would have liked to have seen more development and more story with Laurie and kind of her her coping and her her fear and paranoia. There's there are little moments certainly you know her her nightmares. There's a scene with her at lunch where she, you know clearly she's an alcoholic. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen that, you know, fleshed out. And that's one of my issues with the film. I think the, the short runtime did not do it uh, any service. It would have probably helped to have fleshed things out and let things uh, marinate a little bit longer. That is not the case in Halloween 2018. We see a different Laurie Strode. Again, I, I always am amused by, you know, uh, folks who are like, oh, there's no difference. No, no, there is a difference. Uh, between this film and certainly uh, what came before. This is a Laurie Strode who is traumatized, yes, like her counterpart in, in Halloween H2O, but this is a Laurie who is not afraid uh, but preparing. And, and I think that is that is the difference. Like sh- This is someone who had a tragic event affect and scar her life. And rather than living in in say in 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 hiding uh or in total fear uh this is someone who has decided to be proactive and say i am never going to let what happened to me in 1978 happen again now certainly you know there's nothing wrong with preparation and and kind of watching out for yourself but laurie does it to the extreme in this film and and in kind of what precedes the events of the film and thus has you know screwed up her life vis-a-vis her daughter her granddaughter and just sort of her, her overall mental health i mean one of the things that i really love about the 2018 film is it came out in this you know in the beginnings of the of the me too era and it really you know again you know certainly you know wasn't necessarily inspired by real life events but it's it sort of it's interesting when when uh, fictional events tend to mirror what's going on in the real world, and you know certainly we were seeing uh, then and, and and still now this sort of you know rebellion and 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 fighting back against sort of the uh, you know, the oppressive forces, if you will, uh, in our in our society. And you know what was going on, you know, in, with real life headlines almost had a had a trickle down effect, and probably vice versa. Uh, with what was going on in the movie, that this was a woman who wasn't going to take it anymore, who wasn't going to 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 live in fear and cower in the face of terror, but was going to fight back and defend herself and ultimately kind of rise above the challenge. And you know that, that's a great that's a you know first you know it's 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 you know beautifully. Uh, you know, compelling and, and, and motivational, but in terms of a story, it, it, it's it's excellent because you've automatically got a character arc set up, and, and that's what I really appreciate and, and, and love about this film in particular is that Laurie has a fantastic arc. This is someone who, who, again, she lives 
you know, with with the knowledge of of what happened to her, it has affected her. It has affected her relationship with her daughter, her relationship with her granddaughter, and ultimately, kind of her relationship with Haddonfield, with society in the town. But yet, it's sort of you know everything else be damned. She is a a, a woman on a mission, and she is going to see that mission completed. She is not going to let the fear, you know, defeat her and not let it overwhelm her. She's going to, as the uh, as the tagline says, face her fate. And, and you know, that, like th- this to me, this is the the best version of Laurie Strode because you know we see hints of of the Laurie who came before you know the the the, the innocent uh girl the dreamer uh you know kind of you know just just kind of you know going through the day and and not having you know great worries or whatnot you see moments of it particularly when she's with her daughter and her and her granddaughter and there's a great scene in the movie where Laurie has just come from watching Michael be transferred from uh, Smith's Grove uh, to to another facility, or she's watching him leave Smith's Grove, and and it's and it's a, a beautiful scene, and it's a powerful scene because Laurie goes there. We, the audience, think she's going to confront Michael, like you know, because she has her gun. You know, she's she's there. She is a woman on a mission, and yet when when the moment arrives or, or or was Michael's being boarded onto the bus you know she doesn't she doesn't do anything she doesn't she doesn't act she just she falls into her despair and she she screams and I mean it's a terrific performance by Jamie Lee Curtis but but we're right there with with Lori because we know what she wants to do but yet it's in that moment that she's almost going back uh you know kind of reliving the trauma from 1978, and then boom! Next scene, we see her showing up at a family dinner uh, in honor of her her granddaughter Allison, who's just been inducted into the National Honor Society. And and you know, Lori tries to hold it together. She tries to be composed. She's you know proud of her granddaughter for her accomplishments. And and it's and again, it's a, it's a nice tender scene where. You know, everyone's trying to act like everything is okay and normal, and then. All of a sudden, Lori just cracks up, and and again, it's in those moments that we see her struggle. That this is someone who I think knows deep down, you know, she has screwed up her life, and her life has been controlled by the event that happened on Halloween night, nineteen seventy-eight. But yet, she can't let it go. She can't let go of of Michael Myers. I mean, in many ways, she's become like Doctor Loomis. She is obsessed with Michael Myers. And and it's, again, it's a fascinating reversal because, you know, there's this conflict where she doesn't want to, to control her life, but she knows if she lets her guard down, all hell is going to break loose. So it's really, a, you know, this woman on a mission. And there's another scene where she and Allison interact and she's like, you know, Allison's like, you know, say goodbye to Michael and get over it. And, and Lori just says, you know, goodbye. And again, you know, you could read it, you know, in a number of ways, you know, we, we know she's not going to, you know, say goodbye to Michael because she can't. But I mean, this is a Laurie who is really distraught and, and who has never had any kind of treatment for the, the, the trauma she experienced. I, I love how Jamie Lee Curtis has, has referenced over the last four or five years now that, that 
you know, the character of Laurie in, in this universe would not have been taken to see a psychiatrist. She wouldn't have gone into counseling. Those services were not available in 1978. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis says Laurie probably went to school the next day or, or the very latest the day after. So that all kind of builds into it. And, and there's another uh, great description that Jamie Lee Curtis has, has referred to Laurie as, particularly uh, in the, in the lead up to this film, is that Laurie, you know, kind of becomes the freak, even though she survived. It's almost that survivor's guilt that 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 permeates her, and then ultimately affects her relationships uh, in town. Again, she she's the one that survived, and you know now, of course, there, there's there's grief counselors and there's therapy and, and there's a whole network and a system to help people who have gone through these horrific, traumatizing events. But again, 1978, that ain't gonna that ain't happening. So. It's it's those little details that just sort of, you know, really flesh out and, and give us the audience a sense of of where Lori has been and, and where she's going. Where it you know when we find her in this movie, you know, I wouldn't say she's suicidal, but but she's definitely she definitely has a has a death wish in, in a way because she is locked on this singular mission, which is preparing and essentially waiting for the return of Michael Myers. Again, going to call back to Loomis. She knows that he is coming back. She is going to be ready for him. And she has a great line uh, in the movie when she knows Michael uh, has come back and that he's out in Haddonfield. And she says, he's waited for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. And, and it just, again, gives such insight of where her headspace is and, and, and what her mission is everything else be damned going to stop michael myers and that again kind of you know brings to the flip side of what uh you know of, of who michael is in this movie which again hats off to uh you know for to writer director for for how they conceived michael in this movie which was again don't give him motivation don't give him purpose he is the shape and, and the kind of the rest speaks for itself but also i just had to say james Duke courtney does a does a phenomenal job at, at playing Michael Myers. Just just his movement, his body language. Again, for a character that does not speak, you know that th- that that's a daunting task, both from a, a a writing standpoint, but also an acting standpoint. And and it just it, it just flourishes, and and the character comes to life on the screen. And I would say, with the exception of, of Castle in the first film. Uh, uh, James Hugh Courtney easily has the best on-screen uh, persona of, of Michael Myers and really kind of bringing this character to life is more than just like, say, a stuntman would, but but really you know, giving a personality a, 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 as much as you can, which isn't much, if anything, with Michael Myers, but but really, you know, giving a, a you know, a, a subtle imposing sense that that he's that he's always there even when when he's not, but uh, you know, getting back to to Michael's you know, characterization or lack thereof in this movie, one of the things uh, you know that's more explored in in the second film, Halloween Kills, but but is is right there in in this film. Michael is not going after Laurie. You know, the, he, he, Laurie is the farthest thing from his mind. He may not even remember who Laurie Strode 
is or was, uh, you know, in this in this universe. And it kind of it's it's a fascinating twist because you know you go into it and you and you think, oh well, Michael's going to go after Lori because he has to go after Lori. Well, no, because number one, this is not the the brother sister storyline, so that's immediately out the window. But this is just the boogeyman. Like like she was just one girl who was in his way on Halloween night, nineteen seventy eight. And what I love so much about this is it's not Michael who's obsessed with her. Lori is the one who's obsessed with him. And in many ways, she's the one stalking him. You know, there's a scene early on when she knows he, he's, he's loose in Haddonfield. And she's driving around her truck. She's listening to the radio, police radio band in her car. And again, you know, there, there's sort of a Loomis vibe, but, it, but it's also like this is a woman who is hunting. She is hunting Michael Myers. And when they have their first little reunion of swords, she's on the ground. He's in the house. And you know, she shoots him. Or she shoots at him, and then he leaves the house, and she's following after him. It's not him following after her. At, that's that's a great kind of twist on the uh, on the stalker uh, situation. Where again, you go into it thinking he's going to go after her, and you know, in the context of the film, all of her preparation, all of her panic, all of her worry and fear was for nothing because at the end of the day yes Michael Myers came back but he didn't come back for Lori she was the one obsessed with him he was not obsessed with her and again it sort of you know shows how the 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 victim you know in, in many ways you know you know became the uh you know uh, sort of the victimizer in a way and that's now not the you know the best way to 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 put it but but you you understand the idea that you know the 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 hunted becomes the hunter i guess that's that's a better way uh to express it so it's you know it's again it's it's taking what you think you know and turning it on its head and there's a there's a whole sequence in the film uh, with this character, Doctor Sartain, who plays, he's Michael's uh, new doctor, and you know it is revealed that you know that he is he's just as obsessed with Michael Myers uh, as Laurie is, but but he's obsessed in the context of what happened with Michael and Laurie in 1978, and you know whereas Loomis was was obsessed with trying to stop Michael Myers. Sartain is obsessed with trying to study Michael Myers. Again, the reversal uh, in the character's motivations and and directions is something I really applaud with this film. But the character Sartain, this is you know certainly one of the more controversial parts uh, of the uh, of the film. I don't have an issue with it. I I, I think you know given the way the story is set up and, and, and again how it's. You know, sort of turning things on its head. I, I like the twist that that Sartain is obsessed with Michael Myers and observing Michael Myers, and kind of, you know, he is the uh, the conduit that brings Michael Myers and Laurie Strode back together again, and kind of puts them in 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 conflict with one another again. He's doing it through his own obsession and trying to understand who Michael is, what makes him think, what what gives him pleasure. Now again, I, I I acknowledge that you know that you know a lot of people don't like that that twist because 
I mean, it, it, I, I'll admit it, it was a little jarring, especially the first time I saw it, where, where you think Sartain is, is more or less a Loomis uh, wannabe. Uh, and it's right after uh, Officer Hawkins has, has hit Michael with a, with a car and tries to, you know, is going to shoot him, that Sartain, you know, whips out a pen, which has a concealed knife, apparently, and he stabs Hawkins, uh, presumably to death, though, his fate is later later revealed, uh, you know, uh, to be different in the next film. But you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" Like you know, you kind of didn't see that you know coming, even though the the, the breadcrumbs were there. You know that Sartain was not a Loomis, uh, you know, uh, ar- archetype or a Loomis uh, replacement. But nevertheless, when he does pull out the knife and and gets a little. Uh, uh, you know, knife happy with, with, uh, with Hawkins. It was a little, it was a little jarring, but again, I look at it in the, in sort of the context of the story, you know, again, this is not a, a, a Michael who has spent 40 years thinking about, okay, how can I go back and get Laurie Strode? It's, it's, it's his doctor. It's Sartain who is responsible for bringing him to her and ultimately her in, into conflict with him. I, I, I love it how everyone else is kind of obsessed with Michael Myers in this movie, Laurie Sartain. And Michael has no obsession. And whatever is going on in his head, we don't know and we don't need to know. And that's what I think is fascinating. Even the uh, um, the, the uh, investigative journalists, the, uh, the podcasters, if you will, uh, that are in this film who uh, – who play a role in 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 getting Michael uh, back his original mask? They're obsessed with him, and they're obsessed with Laurie Strode. It's again, everyone is sort of obsessed with the Laurie Michael dynamic, or or just Michael in the case of Laurie. And yet, Michael is 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 on his own course, following his own uh, method, and 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 that's what I feel is 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 really good and refreshing about this film because it's getting it back to the basics. It's getting it's getting back to the origins and the roots of Halloween 1978, which was Michael Myers was just a, a guy in a mask stalking people without course or reason. He was just doing it. And, you know, to borrow Loomis's quote, purely and simply evil. I mean, that that's it. And that was something that I felt had been lacking Throughout the last number of, of sequels, this one felt like Michael Myers is back. It made Michael Myers relevant again, not only as as a as a movie uh, uh, slasher and, and figure, but but also the character uh, himself. It, this was a return of the boogeyman, and and, and you know. As someone who who enjoys and, and and loves these films, you know the, the, Michael is intimidating. He is very frightening in this film. And again, it, it's sort of it's getting back to the basics of of what made Halloween work. And, and it, as I said in the last week's show, it's the simplicity. And this film is again, you know, not simple. Meaning in a, in a bad way, but it, it, it's a simple story. It's 40 years later, Michael Myers returns to Haddonfield, all hell breaks loose. Now, again, I'm generalizing when I say that, but 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 it's not like we've got this subplot and this character, uh, you know, twist and this and that. Like, there's not a thousand things going on at once. You know, we're, we're carving one pumpkin and that's all that matters. 
you know, not to jump the gun a little bit, but, you know, compared to, say, Halloween Kills, which I will get to next week, but just for the you know sake of argument, a lot of moving parts in that film, a lot of different twists and narratives and storylines. This film, Halloween 2018, focused, keeps going on its path. You know, one could say it plays it safe, you know, and, and that's not... A bad thing. That's when, when you are trying to reinvent a a franchise or reestablish a franchise after a number of different uh, interpretations and 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 bends and turns in the road. Y- you do have to play it uh, play it safe. You know, again, call back to the Force Awakens. You know, not to compare the two or, or make any similarity, but but the point is, you 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 don't want to upset the apple cart in a way you know you don't 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 stack the pumpkins too high to to really lean into the to the autumn imagery you know this again focused on a very simple storyline a lot of powerful themes and messages in this movie again confronting your fear overcoming uh a trauma fighting back again facing your fate but 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 the storyline is clear and it is focused and again it gets its job done and that's that's how you reinvent a legend that's how you reinvent uh, a franchise you go back to what made it work and what made it work was good old-fashioned suspense now certainly this is a modern film so it's not going to be a a shot for shot uh you know remake of Halloween 20 uh, 1978 it's not going to be bloodless you, know, you have to have some here you know, there are those other sensibilities that 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 have to be fulfilled but but by and large this movie as far as i'm concerned hits home closer to any uh to, hits closer to halloween 1978 than any of the other sequels and i think that is because number 1 there is a focus on characters versus spectacle what I really loved about this film, and, and and one of my you know critiques of of Halloween Kills is that this movie prioritizes character and story development. This is as much a family drama as it is a slasher movie, and in many ways, I would almost say it's more of a family drama than a slasher movie. The relationship relationship between Laurie and her daughter. Karen, played by Judy Greer, and Allison, played by Andy Matichek. That really is the heart and soul of this film. And, you know, it kind of is, as much as it is about Laurie trying to to separate herself from her family and, and, and in a way kind of stand between her family and Michael Myers, the real, you know, beauty of this film, the real kind of overall film is the coming together of family and, and and in many ways Laurie going home you know Halloween 1978 the tagline the night he came home meaning Michael Myers coming home to Haddonfield coming back to his childhood home in many ways Halloween 2018 is the night Laurie goes home it's it is when she finally has this this reunion and again it's through tragedy it's through adversity but she has this reunion with her daughter and her granddaughter and she finally is home again she has that connection with her family and it's through 
this this you know kind of you know family bond of, of mother and daughter and granddaughter that they're able to overcome the 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 adversity and the challenge that is Michael Myers. You know, as much as Laurie wanted to be alone and kind of the last person standing, you know, this is one of those situations where you know the theme could be you know you're stronger together than you are standing alone. And you know, maybe maybe I'm you know just really you know, you know pumping up my my love for the for the for the film and for the franchise. But I mean, when it ended, you know, I, I was both riveted and on my feet applauding because it just it just to to, to really drive drive the point, it came it it hit home for me. This this was a a home run without without question or reservation, and it's because it it tapped into what made the original Halloween special. And I said this last week, it's about story. It's about realistic characters. Again, you know, not saying it's, it is perfect and not saying every box is checked, but when you compare it to certainly the other films in the franchise, this one for me really came the closest to, to replicating and, and matching the success of Halloween 1978, which again was focusing on suspense, th- focusing on thrills, but also having characters that felt real and developed. And and certainly, you know, certainly the, the other characters, you know, maybe don't get their, their proper due, uh, you know, in the same way that, say, Annie and and Linda uh, and, and certainly Loomis did in the original. Um, the, the, the real, you know, kind of, heart and soul of this film is Laurie, Allison and 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 Karen. That's those those three have their their moments and and they're really they're 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 the ones we're rooting for, they're the ones that we're we're invested in and each one has their own unique personality. Again, gone through what I thought about Laurie. Allison of course is sort of the, you know, you know kind of the Laurie, you know, pre you know, Halloween 1978 there is that innocence but also you know kind of you know modern sensibilities and and uh acknowledgments and you know she goes on her journey you know again not wanting to be you know kind of you know believe her grandmother was right but then ultimately discovering that she was right and then kind of you know standing with her family you know when it really counts same you know goes with her daughter Karen put all this distance with her mother obviously lost connection with her mother because she was taken away from her you know again all the developments that went in uh in the backstory but you know at the end of the day she's able to you know stand shoulder to shoulder with her mother and she's able to fight back and and there's a great scene near the end when they're, they're trying to trap Michael and they're they're waiting for him and 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 Karen fakes him out she she's She's waiting for Michael. She's hiding in the basement. She's waiting for him to come to the top of the stairs, and she's screaming. She's you know saying, "Mom, I don't know what to do. I'm scared, scared." She's holding the gun, you know, fumbling, you know, thinking she's going to screw it up. And then Michael appears at the top, and she says, "Gotcha." The audience went nuts <laughs> in my theater when this happened because it was just it was such a moment because she's like, "Ah, this, she's Laurie's daughter." Like you know, it's mean? like just it's those little moments that 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 just shine through and make this movie that much more special. I mean, I just watched it again the other night because it just has, and it's almost like a comfort film in a way. And I think that's because it really has a, a nice beginning, middle 
at an end. And, and even though, like, we don't see Michael burning up at the end of the film after they've set him, uh, set, trapped him in the basement and then set the house on fire, there is a, a kind of, you know, like a, a breathing a sigh of relief, a feeling that there, that, you know, there's a conclusion. And and I and I often said, like, you know, had they never made another Halloween film, if there hadn't been Halloween kills and, and, and soon to be Halloween ends, I would have been OK because I felt like there was this this completion that that we you know, we started off. Lori, you know, has has been preparing for this. She has her inevitable reunion with Michael Myers. She's able to to finally, you know, face him and and trap him and defeat him. And then, you know, she's she's reunited with her family and and kind of, you know, whatever comes next, you know, the chips will fall where they may. But of course, this this was not the last Halloween sequel and and as as I as I have said, thank God for that because I love this franchise. But but that was kind of where my initial headspace was at the end of 2018 because it, it just felt so perfect and it felt complete. Um, of course, now you know we're going to we have this whole trilogy and it's going to wrap up with Halloween ends next week. But but certainly in in the immediate aftermath of 2018, long before there had been the announced sequel. Uh, as a Halloween fan, I I was feeling fulfilled. I, I really felt like this movie just just hit it home and captured what uh, Carpenter was trying to do in the original. Which again, it it gave Laurie a a a perfect send off, uh, but it also you know left the door open uh, for uh, you know for the inevitable sequel, which of course uh, came with Halloween Kills and uh, soon uh, soon with Halloween Ends. But um, no, twenty eighteen was a great time uh, to be a Halloween fan, and and I I look back on this film with with such with such nostalgia and and such uh, such reverence because. It really did reinvent and reinvigor the franchise. It made Michael Myers scary again. You know, to, to, to just drive home the point of about my uh, my 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 love for this film, I have the whole soundtrack downloaded on onto my phone, and like especially this time of year, like if I'm taking a walk or a jog, like I, I'm just like, you know, listening to the music and, you know, certainly, you know, certain, uh, you know, tracks will get me, you know, really pumped up in the exercising, uh, mode. But, you know, that's actually just one other point I would make, you know, having Carpenter back, not only in the, in a producer role, but doing the score and, and creating a whole new template, a musical template for, for Halloween, was just a, a a stroke of genius by by Blumhouse and Company because certainly Carpenter has not been involved with the franchise directly since Halloween three and has had no involvement with 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 the Michael Myers storyline since Halloween two so having him him back and and, and composing the score was, was was just another reason why this film felt so different from all the other sequels because you know the Master of Horror is back just churning out uh, a, a a masterpiece of, of a score and, and it really is a, a powerful riveting score and I didn't even touch on this in last week's week's show uh, but I, I will now the score itself whether it's in this film or certainly in the original 1978 film 
that enhances and and frankly is arguably 50% or more of of the film's success it's just that spine tingling heart thumping musical score that that they just it gets inside your psyche and and it terrorizes you before you even see anything on the screen you could be looking at a black screen and you just hear that music you know bum 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 i mean Dear God, I mean, you know, my memory goes back to the first time I ever saw this film, and just hearing that that score at the beginning, oh my God, you 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 lose your fucking mind. It, it's spine tingling awesomeness, and you know, to have him back now, you know, for ultimately these three films, it, it just feels like they're they're taking the necessary steps. They're doing it right this time. Now we can all. Or you know, agree or disagree on quality of whether or not you know you like these films or not. You know, there are as always. There's a lot of passion on both sides uh, of the equation, and certainly in the Halloween uh, fandom, if you will, a lot of different uh, opinions when it comes to sequels and 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 requels and and remakes. Uh, but but certainly. One thing is very clear, and this kind of ties it all together with these films. I don't think it can be it can be diminished, and I don't think it can be denied that there has not been care and attentiveness to these to these films, starting with Halloween 2018. These movies were made by fans of the franchise. David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, whole company at Blumhouse. The, the they weren't just making a movie to just make a quick buck you know th- th- this was a heartfelt passion project and 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 the result as far as i'm concerned it is right there you know it, it, it the, the carving is right there on the pumpkin and it's it's perfect i mean to me when when i when i watch you know again pre halloween 2018 I would have said, you know, it's Halloween two, uh, you know, followed by Halloween H two O. Like, you know, those those were sequels, but but always a special spot for for the original because it just that's it, that's the classic, that's the original. And now with Halloween twenty eighteen and and soon to be this entire trilogy, um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's it's fun for me as a fan to be able to say, okay. This is now my favorite sequel, and, and that's where where Halloween 2018 comes in because I feel it really came the closest to 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 capturing the spirit of the original, to honoring uh, the original movie, both in terms of its aesthetic and and the kind of the way in which the story was told. Again, going back to you know simple narrative, focusing on character, less spectacle, suspense dread and, and all of that like again there's just a, a wonderful atmosphere about this film you know again whether it's just you know the long shots or just uh, the establishing shots you know Lori's house um uh, you know uh, uh allison's friend vicky who's babysitting again just like just the way in which the camera also plays a role like again it's not just a tool but 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 an actual instrument and in guiding the story forward so i mean you know for me this is this has been the gold standard for the new halloween sequels again nothing will ever top 
the original, the Halloween, Halloween 1978 is up there on the shelf, you know, in its own special little, little glass, glass box. But, but Halloween 2018, I think comes as, as close as you can to, to being as good as the original. And, And that is because it focuses on, on character and it focuses on the tropes and techniques that made Halloween such a classic. And, and, you know, I, I can't wait to see how it all plays out because now, you know, we got, we got two out of three now with, with Halloween and then Halloween kills. I can't wait to see how Halloween ends ties everything, everything together and and really makes it this, this, uh, this, this trilogy, you know, which is connected via the 78 film, how it all, how, how it all ties together. And, and, you know, while I have no, uh, uh, you know, no belief or, or reason to think that you know anything will will top the '78 film, uh, I, I'm I, I'm you know prepared and willing to uh, you know to to move my uh, my ranking of favorite sequel if if uh, need be, but uh, only time will tell. So uh, going into Halloween ends, uh, the uh, the standard for, at least for me when it comes to the sequels uh, is to uh, is to surpass. Halloween 2018. Uh, like I said, it was a great time in 2018 to to be a Halloween fan and to have Michael Myers back on the big screen. And and I mean, when you look back in hindsight, I mean, this movie was a mega mega hit, uh, the highest grossing film in the entire franchise, I meaning a quarter of a billion dollars. I mean, it was just a just a a fantastic uh, uh, box office hit. And again, I think it's because the story was there, and also audiences were ready. Timing is so important with movies, and the timing was right for Halloween 2018. Michael had been uh, off the big screen since 2009. We had gone through, you know, Jurassic World and The Force Awakens, and sort of this resurgence of of, of legacy films. and And I think just everything came together. Jamie Lee Curtis coming back, bringing her her story to a close with Laurie Strode, John Carpenter, Nick Castle. Again, all the stars aligned, and the end result for me is my favorite Halloween sequel in the entire franchise, and I think probably the best uh, the best made sequel as well, just because, again, all, all the boxes were there. As I said at the beginning, this really felt like the, a modern-day Halloween 2, and it really is a Halloween 2 because it's following the thread lines from that original 1978 film. And no better way to end this episode and put out the the jack-o'-land, so to speak. I will be back next week, October 14th, with my final review before Halloween ends. Halloween Kills, I'll be sharing with you my thoughts on that installment next week in, in lead-up to the release of Halloween ends. Haven't decided if I'm going to do a, a special show beforehand uh, uh, ahead of the uh, the usual Friday slot um, and, and share my thoughts on Halloween ends. I think what I, I probably will do is let it uh, is going to be seeing it next week and then uh, probably let it marinate a, a day or two and then and then stream it on on Peacock and then give you my thoughts. Uh, on the uh, on the usual time, but uh, if anything changes, of course I will let you all know. But 
certainly, uh, this is a great time to be a, a fan of the horror genre. It is spooky season after all. It is the season. Um, but, uh, you know, at the box office itself, this has been a hell of a year for the genre. I mean, just hit after hit. And I think it, one, it, it you know, this time of year, a horror movie is going to just make a killing uh, because it's Halloween time and it's October. But uh, regardless uh, of, of the timing, this this has been a, a fantastic year for the genre. I mean, again, just you know, look at X, Pearl, The Black Phone, now uh, with with Smile, which came out last week, which I haven't had a chance to see, but I'm looking forward to uh, to checking it out soon. I mean, I think people really are interested in in well made and well told scary movies. I, I think you know. People don't want to, you know, cheap thrills or, or knockoffs. They want to be entertained, and they want something that's going to hold their interest. So, Halloween ends. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Uh, I, I, you know, point aside. I, I, th- I think it will deliver. But it, you know, it does speak to a larger point that I, I have been echoing throughout this year, which is that I think audiences are craving uh, you know, new and, and exciting takes on 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 the genre as well as smart uh continuations of of old storylines you know thinking uh, of scream from earlier this year as well a fantastic time uh you know been a fantastic time uh at the movies in general but certainly for the horror genre i i can't think of a better year uh than 2022 and it is not over yet Halloween ends dropping next week. So uh, I think the uh, the trend shall continue. But uh, in any event, that's all for me this week. Appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening to hear what I have to say on on movies as well as my, my favorite horror movie franchise. Until then, everybody, take care, be well, stay safe, and check out some movies.